is that he's a man that's heartbroken about the task that he has been given because he knows the people intimately and personally and he has to minister to a place where he loves Judah and he knows that God is going to do and again, good afternoon. And as you heard, that was Sister Nina, Minister Nina Griffin. And my name is Rachel Richardson. I'm Minister Rachel Richardson. And you are listening to Save the Lost at All Cost. I am the guest host for today and a longtime ministry partner and absolute sister in Christ to Sister Nina. And I do want you to know that she is out on special assignment and she will be returning next week on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and again, the phone lines are open. So the radio call in line is 702 5588 again 702-650-5588 and if you want to call the toll-free number anywhere outside of Las Vegas the number is 1-800-366-8883 again 1-800-366-8883 for anyone calling outside of the local Las Vegas area I do re- want to remind you that you are tuned in to both KKVV 1060 AM and 101.5 FM, and you can hear any of the previous broadcasts, including the one that you just were hearing Minister Nina speak on, um, Jeremiah, at www.savethelostlv.org. Again, www.savethelostlv.org, and you can just click on to listen live from the KKVV website, which is at kkvv.com, kkvv.com. Um, I, I am Rachel Richardson, and I want to give a shout-out to Victory Outreach and my pastor, Pastor Benny and Sister Evelyn, also to Shield of Hope, which is a partnership between faith-based organizations, the Metropolitan Police Department, and community resources. Um, and the Richardson family, my family, whom I love and adore, my husband, I love you, babe, Channing Richardson, my son is with me in the studio today, uh, Valentino Eden, say hello to the people. How's it going? <laughs> and I'm glad to have him here. Um, and with that being said, I do want to say also hello to to uh, to Pastor uh, Pastor Terry and to Lady Desiree as well. Um, and just that we're hoping you feel better. We're praying for you, and um, we will see you soon. <laughs> uh, so. I am, we're going to go ahead and get right into it as well. As we know, today is Palm Sunday, and let's just go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, Lord, I come before you, God, and I ask that you would just calm my spirit. Father, that you would set me behind the cross. God, speak through me, Lord. Let me be your mouthpiece, God, your trumpet, God. Father, that your people would know, God, that, that you sit high, but you look low, God, and that you don't make mistakes. Have your way, God. Just let your spirit, God, fill this place like never before, and let Let your word go forth, God, with the anointing and power that you ultimately designed it to go forth in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so what we are going to do is we are going to go ahead and start talking about Palm Sunday. And how did we get to Palm Sunday? Um, Valentino, are you in Matthew? Perfect. Okay, so he's going to be reading out of Matthew 21, verse 1. Um, The Bible reads, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethlehem at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite of you, uh, and immediately you will find the donkey tied and a colt with her. 
loose, loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And I immediately, he will send them. Verse 4. Verse 4 reads, All this was done that I, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of, of Zion, mm-hmm. Behold, your king is coming to you, uh, lowly sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fool of a donkey. And so the disciple in verse six, the disciples went out and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them. And he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowd going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And that too is in fulfillment of the prophecy back in Isaiah. Uh, I'm sorry, in Psalms. So that was from um, Psalms 118 verse 26. And uh, verse 10 from Matthew 21:10 says, And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city were stirring, saying, Who is this? And the crowd was saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So that is out of Mar- Matthew. And then the one in Mark, you're going to go ahead and read Mark. 13 verse 1. Yes. Okay. Okay, and it's also listed in Mark. So we have it in Matthew. We have it in Mark. In Luke and in John. So this is, okay, so this is um, Mark 11. 11, 1. Now when when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethlehem and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the villages of Situ, and as soon as you have entered, you will find the colt tied, on which no one has sat. Loosen it and bring it to me. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send it here. So they went, to, so they went their way and found the colt tied by the door onside the street, and they loosed it. But... Some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosening the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on and, it, and then sat on it. And many spared their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the tree and spread them on the road. Then those who went before them and those who follow, crying out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of, the, of our father David that comes to the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Perfect. Um, and I do understand we have Miss Nina on the phone. Minister Nina, is that you? Yes, it is. How are you, Minister Rachel? I am well, thank you. <laughs> and, and, and how are you, man of God, over there, I Deacon Valentino? Blessed. How are you? I am very blessed. 
Amen. I'm watching you, and Deacon Valentino, you're speaking some wonderful words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just need you to speak into the mic. I'm watching you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so wave to her. Say hi. How you doing? <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But you're doing a wonderful job. I appreciate both of you um, answering the call, fulfilling the assignment. And we need to get back to the lesson because I'm being fed by it. But thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, my aunt is doing miraculously well. So awesome. thank you for giving me this opportunity to be on special assignment. Not a problem. Thank you for entrusting this assignment to us. We appreciate uh, that. Well, we got the call together, Minister Rachel. You know that. Yes, back in 2005, we sure did. Save the lost okay. at all costs. So, right. so the, the door is always open to you. And Valentino was there when we got the call. Amen? Yes, he was. Amen. Amen. So he, he's been raised up in it, so he understands more than anybody when I affectionately say I need him to read and say it into the mic. <laughs> yes, he <Amen>. does. <laughs> All right. Well, we love you. Get back to the lesson. Thank I'm you so much. It. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay. So this, so that, that is uh, in Mark. So that was a Mark 11, and Luke uh, speaks of it as well, and John as well. And when we're when we're talking about this, um, the triumphal entry is kind of how it's worded here, um, in in. Jerusalem when Jesus comes in on this donkey and we have to know what took place before this and and it was with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and in John 12 in John 12 it actually says this is this is when uh, Martha serves and when Mary um, anoints Jesus's feet for his burial. Can you find John 12 for me, please, Valentino? And in Luke 10 is the first encounter when they very first met, when Jesus first met Mary and Martha. So I'll go ahead and I'm going to read you um, Luke 10, verse 42. And it says here, well, I'll start at 38. Uh, Luke 10, 48 says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed her into welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparation and she came up to him and said came up to him and said, "Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me." But the Lord answered and said to her, "Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary." And what is that one thing that verse 39 tells us is necessary? It is to sit at the Lord's feet and listen to his word. And he says, "For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her." And so we know that in in Luke Luke 10, 38 through 42, this is the original encounter. But in John 12, we, we, we know that, we know that, um, Martha is serving still. But what's Mary doing? What, what's Mary doing there in John 12, son? John 12, verse 1. John 12, 11, right? Yes, sorry, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who, who have been dead, whom he have raised from the dead. There he have made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took, Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, spikenard yeah. of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And 
The house was filled with fragrance of the oil. So what we see here is Mary actually, because she had sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his words, she was able to prepare him for his burial. So we know that if we if we truly sit at Jesus' feet and we take in his word, he is going to tell us, just like Jeremiah 33, 3 says, says, call unto me, and I will tell you, or I will show you great and mighty things that you know nothing about. Jesus had constantly told the disciples, I'm going to die, I'm going to be given up to the, to the Pharisees and to the scribes, and I'm going to be uh, scourged and beaten. And, but but on the third day I will rise again. He was constantly telling them that, but they didn't get it. But yet Mary was able to be sensitive to the fact that in six days, this was six days before he was actually crucified, that he was going to go through this. And so it, it was this preparation for his burial that actually right after this is when he makes that triumphal entry right into Jerusalem on the donkey. But she was preparing him for the burial that was to come. Now when we read about... Um, Lazarus as well, we also see when he raised Lazarus from the dead, um, he, he told him, let me go ahead and find that. Do me a favor. Hey, where are you at? Because Lazarus in this one, he's actually sitting there at the table. So he's sitting at the table with them in this one. And so he knows that, uh, you know, Lazarus knows where he came from, and, and all these scriptures go on to say that he was the one who, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he actually, uh, many believed. And, and if you read in John 12, verse 38, it says, Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Actually, you know what, I'm going to back up just a little bit. <laughs> Let's go to John 11, um, 11, 11, 12. Mm, actually, you know what? Let's do this. Let's go 11, 11. I mean, we'll just do John 11. So now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, of the town of Mary and her sister Martha in Bethany, which is about two miles outside of Jerusalem as well. So Jesus and his disciples knew he couldn't go to Jerusalem because they were actually looking to stone him already, to kill him already. Um, and it was that it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold him he whom you loved is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. So again, sometimes we feel like, man, God, why is all this stuff happening to me? I thought you loved me. I thought, you know, I'm sure that in the Bible records that he did love them, but yet he stayed two more days. It says, then after this, this is verse 7, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after he said this to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up again. In verse 12, then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get up. 
However, Jesus spoke of Lazarus' death, but they thought he was speaking and he was talking about rest as in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Right? How many times plainly does Jesus have to say, does our Lord and Savior have to say something to us? You know, I'm not going to tell you again. It, 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 you know, he says, uh, he gives us forewarnings and kind of, you know, uh, here and there. But now it's like, you know what, he's not even sleeping. All of a sudden, you guys want to get all, you know, theological. Well, if he sleeps, he'll wake up again. Yeah, okay, Lazarus is dead, he says in verse 14. In 15, it says, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. But nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, which is doubting Thomas, mind you, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So Thomas, though he was doubting Thomas when it came to it, like, I'm not going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead until I can physically, you know, put my fingers in his scars and, and, and see, touch, taste, hear, smell, eat Jesus. But he's saying here, we are going to go with him and die with him. So at one time he was, he was radical for the Lord. He, he was one that was willing to lay down his life for the Lord. And then when, when it all, when everything that God said was going to happen, that Jesus said was going to happen, actually happened, he doubted. So how many times do we do that? We get a word from the Lord. We get a promise from God. He's going to save our kids. He's going to save our marriage. He's going to heal our family member. He's going to, he's going to raise us up, you know, out of ashes. We've been through some horrible things and, 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 but yet we, we doubt, we doubt, we turn around and say, well, well, Lord, if you would have done this, or if you would have done that, we question what God is trying to do. And, and, and here Thomas was saying, you know what, we're willing to die for you. And, and it wasn't long after this, that he completely forgot that, that he was already willing to lay his life down for the Lord. And so, um, John eleven seventeen says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So again, these are people who don't believe they want to stone Jesus, but many of the Jews were gathered around Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother. Now, do we think that Jesus didn't know that this was going to take place? Absolutely he did. Because again, right before that, he says that, and I'm glad for your sakes in verse 15, that I was not there that you may believe. So now Martha, now this is verse 20. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And how many times do we want to give Jesus back his word? We want to give the Lord back his word, but, but we're, we're failing to hear the miracle that he's trying to, to, to give us. You know, I was pregnant with the son that they said was sick. And it's like, man, God, we know that you're able to heal him. But every ultrasound report that came that, that he was healed, we, we wanted to get a 4D. We wanted another ultrasound. We want, but even though we knew God was able to heal him, we, we still questioned when the healing became about. So though Martha knew her word clearly, you know, because she knew about the resurrection in the last day. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is to come into the world. But that's not, that's not what, that's not what he's asking her, right? He's saying, he's asking her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, shall he live? Do you believe your brother can come out of that tomb, though he's been dead for four days? And she beats around the bush and says, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the son of God who came into the world. 
But ultimately, in verse 28, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him originally. Then the Jews were with her in the house and comforting her. When they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet and said to him, Once again, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Everybody says that's the shortest, the shortest uh, scripture in the Bible is verse 35. John 12, 35. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because of the unbelief of the people. It's like, I've been telling you, I, I've, I've shown you miracle after miracle, signs and wonders, but yet you still don't believe that I am who I say I am. And in verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying, meaning Lazarus? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. And it was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is such a stench for he's been dead for four days. Here goes Martha. She, she's, <laughs> she speaks up too quick a lot. <laughs> you know, tells, tells Jesus, tell my sister to help me. And now, you know, he's been dead four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with the cloth and Jesus said to him loose him and let him go and this is really what I want you guys to get right here verse 45 then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen these things Jesus did believed in him now some of them but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus did however many of the Jews came to believe because of the death of Lazarus there are some dead situations in our lives there are some things that are going on but these things Jesus is going to raise up. God's going to resurrect these issues. God's going to resurrect that marriage. He's going to resurrect that that wayward child. He's going to resurrect that vision that you once had that kind of fell to the side. Why? So that many people will believe. This is not this is this is when signs and wonders will accompany the believers. But do we believe that? Do we go around and somebody says I have a headache or you know I have diabetes or my kidneys are failing? Are we laying hands on them? Are we genuinely believing God for a miracle so that their faith can be built? Because this miracle was performed so that the Jews who wanted to stone him just chapters before, they now turn around and they believed because of the death of Lazarus. And actually the resurrection, if I may, of Lazarus. So this wasn't, you know, uh, something that he did because, you know, the Bible recorded he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But he allowed for this dead situation to take place in their lives so that he could resurrect it. And people who didn't believe, people who, who, who were atheists or people who were Buddhists or people, people who d- didn't just thought that, you know, Christian was a crock of 
crap type of thing mentality who just don't believe are able to see, wow, your son is now five and they said he wouldn't leave to be one. And if he did, he was so deformed. He would be so deformed that he would have no quality of life or, you know, oh, wow. So you mean to tell me that the sickness that was taking over your body and put you near death like Minister Nina just gave a praise report that her aunt is doing miraculously well? Like you, so you mean the thing that came to cause you death or cause your marriage death or your children death or, or, or your business death, that thing that came that God allowed to come, nothing gets past God. We know that about Job. Before he got permission to do anything to Job, he had to go to God first. But nothing comes to us without our master knowing. And so, you know, sometimes what we do is we, we look real good on the outside because of Luke eleven thirty nine tells us that we're clean on the outside, but on the inside we're decaying, we're nasty. Our faith really isn't there. And it's the righteousness of God that, that is faith. That's what he accounts to us is our faith. That's yeah. what he accounts as righteousness, yeah. righteousness to us. And I know that being 18-year-old male, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes for you to believe, right? We were just talking about this, weren't we? Yes, ma'am. And, the, and, and, and I know being somebody who raised my kids up in the things of the Lord that there's been times I didn't believe. That I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, how are you going to do it? But, but he does it. He's faithful. Yes, he does. And, and we're able to look at our children with confidence and say, man, this is not a mistake. You know, whatever is allowed been allowed to happen to you it's because god's gonna do yes it's for a reason because god's gonna show off in your life and it's so important for us to remember that these dead situations man god he doesn't do it just to kill them off you know my uncle passed away 17 years ago and and had he not passed away the way he did i would not be nearly the woman that i am today man in 1998 i I shot a gun in the air and the bullet ricocheted off a sign and ended up killing my uncle and that was my grandmother's only son a father of six children the youngest was less than a month old i was locked up for murder convicted of second degree murder and even in that, it was overturned, but I pled guilty to manslaughter. And now I have the privilege of being to, able to go to schools and to juvenile facilities, at detention facilities, and really speak to young people from my heart about the fact that, you know, what my grandma used to say, bullets don't have names. You know, but because of this dead situation that happened 17 years ago, and literally my uncle dying, I, I am now completely... My purpose, my calling, my destiny in life was shooken to the core at one point. But now that now that it has been resurrected, that I've been resurrected, and and God brought me back from from loneliness and really the guilt of it, I needed to know I was forgiven. And had it not been for the blood of Jesus Christ, had it not been me genuinely believing that Jesus Christ paid my sin debt in full, I would still be looking for karma to come back and bite me to this day. I would not have the liberty, the boldness, the power, or the conviction that I have in my heart, man, to reach youth, to reach people with the gospel. It's good news that Jesus rose from the dead because this right here, when he rose Lazarus from the dead, he proved not only can he raise himself, but he can raise us up too. So because he rose from the dead, we, we rise from addictions. We rise from, from bankruptcy. We, we are able to rise from the ashes. Like they say, man, and, and, and have a confidence and a boldness like never before. So it's important for us to be able to know that, you know, uh, we have been called by the Lord. God is doing a new thing. He's stirring up gifts. And and uh, he wants us to know more than anything that he is in control. He's in control. And all this took place right before. And, the, and, and these believers were actually many of the believers who were the ones laying the palm branches on Palm Sunday saying, Hosanna, blessed be the Lord. These are the believers because of this death, this dead situation. 
these people came to believe and, and they, and, and they were able to usher in or to welcome in the coming of the Lord, you know, like they say, the triumphal entry. Now they were still expecting him to just do away with everything. You know, they still had their own idea of how he was going to set up his earthly kingdom. So they, they hadn't uh, seen beyond the natural yet, but, but had this situation not taken place, so many of these Jewish people would not have believed. And so it's important for us to know that, you know, parents, you know, when God does something in your life, you know, he is, he's allowing for, for something to be shaken at your core, whether it's your health, your business, your marriage, what he's allowed, because your children are watching you. They are watching you. They're, they're going to imitate your faith. And if you don't give them that, what will they follow? They're going to follow after the world because that's what they see every day. But we got to be parents, man, that stand on the word of God, that our kids will serve him. Come what may, as long as we raise them up in the way, train them up in the way, and we have a standard, a moral principles and values that we had adhere to in our home, that though they might stray, because I, I was raised in the church too and strayed, you know, they will come back and they'll come back with their own testimony about how good God is. And we, we have to stand on that, man. We have to stand on that. And so, again, on this Palm Sunday, um, just remember that many of the people who who brought Jesus in on that donkey, when he rode in on that colt, they were ones who came to believe because of the dead situation with Lazarus. And real quick, I know that we have a little bit more time, and um, I do want to tell you, about the very first miracle of Jesus. Because again, we speak of the last miracle being when he um, was raised from the dead. I mean, that in itself, it ha- we have a risen Savior. Not other other um, religions and Buddhists and Allah and Muhammad and, and um, you know, all these people. They're dead. They're dead. They're in their tombs. They're stinking. You know, Pharaoh, King Tut, and all them took everything with them to their grave. But we have got a risen Savior. And our confidence lies in the fact that that same resurrection power lives in us. And now, if you will, go to John 2, 2 for me, Valentino. So let's talk about how, how you know, the first miracle that wasn't even to be came into place. Right? This This came into place before its time. Um, go ahead, Valentino. Excuse me. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. That's right. That's right. Yep. Oh, okay. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Just a minute. So, so even here, this is the first miracle recorded uh, that Jesus did, and he, and even here he's saying, "My hour has not yet come." So even as he is uh, again being when he's riding in on the colt, he recognizes that his hour has come at that time, and he's going into Jerusalem. Though that's where they want to stone him for the longest, he had tried to stay away from there because again he he, he was still on a mission. He had to go through Samaria. He had there was places he had to go to um, be, before his assignment was completed. His earthly assignment was complete, and so I'm sorry. Go ahead, Valentino. Okay, we were on verse five. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there was, now, there where they sat six water pots of stone, according to the man, to the manner of of purification purification Mm -hmm. of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons of, what's that? A piece, 20 or 40, 20 or 30 gallons a piece. Sorry about that. Jesus said to them, 
fill up the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made, it was made to wine and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called it bridegroom. Mm-hmm. You want me to keep going? Yeah. Okay. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have will well drink, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of, sign, of signs Jesus did not did in Cana of Galilee. Galilee. Of Galilee. What's that? The, that's the city. That's the city? Uh-huh. Okay. Of Galilee. And manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. So, that's what it says. These were the beginning of his signs. So, we're the beginning of our signs. Like, we, you know, miracle signs and wonders shall accompany the believers. You know, and sometimes we think, well, I didn't turn water into wine. But you know what? Every child that God gave us a privilege to birth is a miracle in and of itself. Every opportunity that we meet a hurting person and we're able to bring them hope is a miracle in and of itself. So before we get into this, breaking this down real quick, because um, we want, we want to know how can we manifest these miracles? This was not just for biblical times, but, but this is for our time too. How can we bring this, you know, miracles into motion before their time? Because that's exactly what happened here. Jesus tells his mom, it's not my time, woman. It's not my time. But, but yet, the miracle was still there. I want to go ahead. The local call-in number again is 702-650-5588, 702-650-5588. And if you are calling from outside of the listing area, Las Vegas area, 1-800-366-8883, 1-800-366-8883. So in John 2-2, the first thing, will you read that for me, please? John 2-2, what, what happened? The one that I just read before, right? Yep. Okay. Just verse 2. Okay. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Perfect. They were invited. We have to invite the Lord into our situations and into our circumstances. In verse 1, it tells us the mother of Jesus was already at the party. But Jesus didn't just show up because his mother was there. You know, just like uh, when he when he rode the colt into, you know, the, on Palm Sunday. He didn't, he didn't go because, uh, you know, it was something random he wanted to do. No, he knew that it was his time. And so this was, he had to be invited. We need to invite the Lord into our, our, our dead situation that's the first step absolutely yes that is that's exactly what it says there too that's the first step was that he was invited him and his disciples were invited if we don't invite him into our situations we cannot expect for him to show up on our behalf so no matter what the occasion is invite the lord it might be a graduation of your child a birth of your child it might be you know your wedding vows whatever it is invite him in and so it, it also says in Romans fifteen four for whatsoever things were written in times past were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So this is written, this account of the first miracle was written for us so that we will have the hope of knowing, okay, how, do, how can we manifest a miracle before it's time? Number one, we need to invite Jesus in. <laughs> number, uh, number two... We need to tell them what the problem is. If you look at verse six, oh, we have a we do have a caller, so let's go ahead and take this caller and 
Thomas, you're on the line. Uh, how you doing? Uh, I was just listening to the program, and uh, you and young Valentino uh, is doing a pretty good job. And he's, I see, he's, uh, you know, just beginning. But you know what, Valentino, you hang in there, and you know, uh, 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 with mom. And I tell you, you're gonna be all right in the future. And I'll tell you, who knows what God got in store for you? You Amen. know. And Thank I just you. wanted to comment in, and you know, about the story, you know, of of. of Yeshua, Jesus, you know, teaching uh, them about who he was and et cetera. And that's a beautiful story, and I'm really blessed by the both of all. And thank you, and God bless and shalom. Thank you, Brother Thomas. You too. God bless you. Well, thank you. See? <laughs> See? And, and that's another thing. We have to speak life to our kids. Man, I have a young black male who's 18 years old. There's been enough death spoken over him and on him. So, again, thank you, uh, Brother Thomas, for calling in. And, and just because, you know, your kids are always like, oh, Mom, you're supposed to say that. But you know what? That This is a man who knows you from nobody. But yet he still spoke life. He still sees the call upon your life that, that God is going to use you, you know. And, and we, we as parents, not only do we believe that, but we, we also have to, to instill that in them. That despite what happens, you know, he's going through some issues right now. And, and despite it all, man, God is going to use you. And so number two is we have to tell, we have to tell the Lord what the problem is. In verse three, what, are they, what, is, what does the mother say, Valentino? Um, the Bible reads, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Boom. She was detailed. She was to the point. You know, and, and another, and when she did that, it wasn't as if she, she said, Oh, well, could you, if maybe you could, no. You know what? They have no wine. I know you didn't come here for nothing. You know, when we invite the Lord into our situations, it's not for nothing. We can feel like, I know that I didn't call upon the Lord. You know, I can't stand when my kids go, Mom, Mom. I'm like, what, what? And they don't answer me. Or they're like, never mind. You know, so when people go like, oh, my God. You're like, no, don't do that. If you're inviting the Lord, amen, be detailed. Be specific. This is the creator of the universe, the one who put the stars in the sky. And nothing is nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible to us if we believe that. And so we need to tell him what the problem is. When she said they have no wine, she was detailed and she was to the point. And that's how we know when the Lord answers specific prayer. Because sometimes we say, oh, Lord, you know. Uh, and, you know, bless me and my finances. But but what what kind of financial blessing do you want? You want a, a, a you know a hundred dollar check to randomly appear in the mail? Or are you looking for a long term business idea that would be uh, left down to your children and your children's children? We need to be specific because that's how we're going to know if God really answered our prayer or not. And praying generic prayers, we get generic answers, and we're like, oh, the Lord the Lord did a great miracle. No, He didn't. You got a refund check. Or you got a rebate check for fifty dollars from Sprint. That's not now what. That $50 is gone. And now you're begging again for finances. So we have to be specific, man. We, we want generational things, not yeah. things that are just for right now. And so, and, and number three, and the, the third thing. So the first thing is we have to invite Jesus in. Then we need to tell him what the problem is or what the situation is. It may not even be a problem right now. But again, even as parents, you know, we just pray for our children without ceasing. They, they're not bad kids, but but you know what, Lord? You cover them while they're in that vehicle. You encamp your angels around that vehicle. God, you get them there safe. You surround him with godly influences. I don't care if he's at the basketball court. I don't care if she's at her job. God, you send messengers her way that love you, that love your people, and that are not going to be in their ear with some mess and some madness. God, that those are the kind of specific things and number three uh verse four go ahead and read that uh jesus said to her woman what does your concern have to do with me 
My hour has yet to come. And number three, don't let what you see or what you hear discourage you. Mary could have got offended. She could have been like, woman, what? I'm your mother, first of all. Don't know who, who, you know, but she, (laughs) but she didn't do that. She didn't get offended. She didn't take it personal. She wasn't like, oh my gosh, what are you embarrassing me in front of these people? No, she didn't let what she saw or what she heard discourage her. She didn't take matters into her own hands. She she wasn't trying to try to figure it out. Oh no, you're going to turn this water into wine and you're going to make this happen. No, you know what? What did she go on to do? In verse five, Valentino, what did she go on to do? His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. She began, number four, to prepare in faith. She didn't sit there and pitch a fight with Jesus. She didn't try to, you know, uh, but, but she just began to prepare in faith. She already set the, the, the miracle in motion by having the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. At this point, it didn't look like he was going to tell him anything. But in faith, Mary began to prepare for the miracle. And in verse uh, six is our, our fifth lesson. And what's verse six say? Now, there was a set of six water pots of stone, according to the manner of, pe- of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Absolutely. So these were, these were water pots that the, that the Jewish people would use to wash their hands, wash their utensils for the temple. You know, they were a matter of purification. It, it was for the temple, for the, the feast, when they would prepare for feasts, when they would go to eat and things. But, but number five tells us, don't be afraid to break traditions. Because it was these water pots, these six water pots that were sat there for the custom, you know, for the purification of the Jews that, that had the servants. Now, mind you, Mary said, do whatever he says to do, whatever he says, do, do it. Now, if they would have been like, oh, Jesus, you don't really know the custom. These water pots are only used for the cleansing <laughs> of the, the miracle would have never happened. So number five, don't be afraid to break traditions and don't try to figure God out. Now. Now faith, the now faith in this season called now, that faith begins when all our human reasoning ends. And then go ahead for me and read verse uh, 7. 7. Jesus says to them, fill the water pots with water. And then they filled it it up to the brim. In verse 8. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Perfect. And these are not these are not his disciples. These are the servants of the master's house. So his disciples, uh, you, you know, he had just chosen them before this. He had chose his twelve, and so, or actually, he's only chose, chose six up to this point. But these are not his disciples. These are simply servants who he is saying to them, "Grab the water, you know, get the water." He said to them, "Draw out some. Well, fill the water pots with water." So they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, "Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter." So they took it to him. They weren't like, well, sir, this is just water. He needed wine. We have plenty of water out there. We don't. They didn't question it. They didn't. They weren't disobedient. They weren't trying to figure it out. They were. It doesn't make sense. No, they just did it. And again, like in Mark seven three is where you you find out about the water pots and that they were used for the ritual washings. And Mark seven thirteen. It tells us that we can actually make God's word or his promises, we can make them of no effect when we do not break traditions. When we are like, you know, we we can make, this word can mean absolutely nothing. 
when we are not willing to break out of tradition, tradition rituals. And I know back in 2005 when, when Minister Nina and I started this, um, Save the Lost at All Costs, we used to go to churches and we used to literally show them how to win back the sheep, bring back the lost sheep. And a lot of people were turned off by, you know, white glove ushers and, you know, um, people dancing in the middle of the aisles while the pastor's preaching and just things that just, why are, why are you doing that? You know, again, the prophet is subject to the person. Like, why why is everything out of control and chaotic and, and you want to know why your congregation is dwindling? And we would go in and we would, we got to break these traditions. Yes, they were passed down. Yes, they were carried down. But guess what? They, they're of no effect. And they make the word of God of no effect. Because this is just a show, just a circus, but it's not, and nobody's getting healed. No signs and wonders are coming. Nobody's getting up. Our young people, especially nowadays, you know, they say, well, if God would, you know, if I could see somebody get out of a wheelchair, like a Benny Hinn kind of thing, then I would believe. But to me, the fact that you didn't, you know, flip that car upon busting tires or, or getting hit or, you know, that's a miracle in itself. Because that that was God's angels covering you. That was God uh, bringing your your purpose to pass, and you, we don't even recognize these little miracles. But the things that we do or don't do can literally stop the miracle in motion. In Romans 4.17, it said that Abraham believed. He, he believed that God said it, God was going to do it. God who gives life to the dead, and he calls things which do not exist as though they do. I had a question. Yes. So God's miracle is already sent. It's just on how we receive it? Absolutely. It's already, you know, in, in Daniel, it says that Daniel had prayed and it took 21 days for the answer to arrive. But Daniel, had, and, and when the, and, you know, when the answer arrives, when the angel comes, he says, I, I, I was answering you from day one. It's just I had to fight demons to get here and to give you this answer. When you set your heart to, to know the truth and, and you really wanted to, to, to know wisdom and, and really know me, I was already on my way. So, so, yes, the miracle's already in motion. You know, that water was going to be turned into wine. It was not Jesus' time, but Mary was able to literally manifest his time before it was even his time. And we are, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9-16, through 16, we are to be bold and confident about the will of God for our lives. Because he will give us glimpses of what's ahead. He'll give us little glimpses. And they're not all going to be great. But at the end of the day, are we willing to trust God for the final outcome is really the question. You know, are we willing Are we willing to say, you know what, come what may, I am going to serve you. Man, I, I love, you know, I love the opportunity we have. You know, the Word of God says if we just have a mustard seed faith, we can literally call things from the supernatural into the natural. So if we say to this mountain, be ye removed, cast into the sea, those are dimensions. We're calling it from the dimension of land into the dimension of sea. So from the supernatural into the natural, we can call these things. We can call healings. We can call jobs. We can call marriages, our spouses. We we can call our destiny in to the natural. It's like already you always there. Say, speaking into existence. That's right. It's already there. And all we have to do is pull it. We have to just ask for it. And God's going to give it to us. But a lot of times we, we, you know, in James 4, 3, it says you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. Or you ask uh, for things that are going to make you miserable or be ill. That you may spend it on your own pleasures. God's number one concern is souls. And that's why this program, Save the Lost at All Costs, has been birthed many years ago in 2005. Because if, if for the one lost sheep... 
the Lord leaves the other 99 to just tend for themselves so he can go find that one. And we as, as religious folks sometimes, we don't break tradition and we want to we want to think we have it all together and we we're we're raising a generation of young people who have no faith because they see none in the home, but yet and still we're not understanding that that dead situation, that the, the situation though God loves us, that situation that God allowed to linger on for 4 days just like Lazarus' death, he desires to resurrect and we stop the miracle short because we don't uh, believe it's our faith you know and and we need to believe and i want to thank you all for listening today valentino thank you for being here son i'm i'm very excited to see what god's going to do in your life um and enjoy your palm sunday because hosanna hosanna you know the king the king the king he lives and not only does he live but he lives in us and we have power we have authority and i desire for you to take that today be blessed and be a blessing and and Jesus' name, amen. amen. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit-filled, live called-in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas his very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvb.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.